You're listening to Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board, a podcast about life through the lens of music. Welcome to the show. I'm Jay Mack, deep in my subterranean refuge in St. Louis, Missouri. And this is Sam Wade out in Los Angeles, California. And this is Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board, Life Through the Lens of Music. I think we're going to have a barn burner of a show tonight, Sam. I really feel like we've got a guest on board that may just take over the show. I really don't know what to expect. It's been a long time since I spoke to this guy. But before we get into that, why don't you tell them where, you, where, we can, where they can get the show and maybe how they can get a hold of us. Yeah, so I mean, uh, we've been posting stuff uh, to our Facebook page. That's a that's an easy uh, way to find out what's going on right now. Um, but to get to all these, you can just uh, go to twotapedex.com. Um, that actually that will take you directly to uh, our SoundCloud feed. You can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and uh, we link back to a couple extra stuff on Facebook.com/slash Podcast, I think is what it is. Uh, you know, look us up, send us some messages. We'd love to hear uh, what you think of the show. Everywhere quality podcasts are found. That's what I like to say. That's what I'm going to start saying. Everywhere. 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 All right. So I'm going to let everywhere. you, I'm going to let you intro this guest, Sam, because this, this guy, I haven't talked to this guy probably, it's probably been almost 20 years and I love him. He's a crazy guy. I've got a story about him and some Swiss rolls at a Walmart, which I'm going to drop on him because <laughs> he, he don't know about that. You don't know about that. So, Sam, why don't you go ahead and intro your brother? Hey, uh, you know, just uh, I'm pretty excited to have this guy on the show. Um, yes, uh, this guy's name is Ben. He is my brother. I've known him his whole life, and I'm excited to have him on here. But he is uh, a very, very talented and accomplished musician in his own right. Uh, he's a songwriter, uh, uh, artist, and a producer, and uh, just really excited to, to have him on and kind of talk about the, some of the new process that he's been working on. Um, but, you know, Ben's got a lot to say. So welcome, Ben, to the show. Hi. Just over here saying stuff, welcoming <laughs> myself. Hi. Thanks for having me, dudes. Jeremy, yeah, you're right. It has been like 20 years. How you doing? Well, I got to say, I got to say this, you guys definitely have the brotherly resemblance. The older you guys get, the more you guys kind of resemble each other. And that's, that's a good thing. You would, there, there's no way anybody would mistake you as anything other than brothers. I think if, they, if somebody saw you together, they'd be like, you guys are related, totally related, probably very closely Absolutely. related. They would be right. They would be. Uh, you know, there's been times uh, <laughs> when, when I still lived in St. Louis, uh, I would get mistaken for Ben sometimes. For real? Yeah, we're only two years apart. We were almost pretty much the same age. So it's like, you know. We lived next door to each other for a period of time, too. So that was probably even more confusing. I, that was after we moved out of our house when we were growing up. So we also lived next door. So that was kind of cool how that worked out. <laughs> it was. It was very random in uh, density. Yeah, absolutely. My first introduction to Ben was I would skateboard, as we've covered before, at the church parking lot just adjacent exactly across the street from your guys' yeah, house and i would come out next door yeah and i would come out and skate and sam would come out and he would he would we would talk about music and then eventually you started popping up and then you started skating and yeah it was I, you had quicker feet than me i was always slow-footed 
Man, I you definitely 100% are the one that got me into skating for sure. Because I saw you over there doing stuff like bonelesses and shit. And I was like, I got to be learning how to do that. So right about the time I actually, I guess, talked my parents into not getting me a piece of shit from Walmart, you know, an actual CCS yeah, $120 complete. Once I got one of those and I actually like started taking it seriously, it was street was developing too. So we were learning kickflips and stuff like pretty much you were doing like the old school kickflips. So we learned how to do like the new style kickflips and stuff together. Right. <laughs> well, what happened was I sprained my ankle really badly doing a kickflip and I never learned oh, how to, really? do, I never knew how to do it. Right. Just, I'm going to take a little rabbit trail skateboarding you need pop if you're going to kick flip you got to kick it and catch it up in the air well i would kick it and then try to catch it on the way back down which is the worst way to do it and i rolled my ankle really bad and ever since uh, ever since i did that i was terrified to to, to to use my ankle to flip the board like that so yeah i was always shoot doing out from underneath you i was doing the caveman <laughs> stuff the power slides the board slides the a lot of grinds i wait i burned up so many trucks on those uh that's the that's the metal part for those of our listeners on the bottom of the skateboard where the wheels attach. I I ground so yeah. many trucks down on those on those parking lot. Uh, yeah, those concrete lot. blocks. Yeah, I mean we would just wax and wax and wax and wax, and then the pastors and the people of the church would be like, "You're ruining our stuff," and we'd be like, "Whatever, skater die, bro." Yeah, bro. And we just keep waxing them and waxing them and waxing them. Don't don't harsh my mellow man. Cinder, yeah, totally. Those cinder blocks got blacker than uh, coal from how much. Uh, wax and skating we kept like sliding on them over and over until we finally got that uh metal rail over there well do you remember uh they would paint them white they would paint them white and i was and then we'd be like oh cool they're slippery now (laughs) yeah and two days (laughs) after and two days after they were painted white they would be smeared with black and i remember the pastor moore i'm gonna just i'll say his name pastor moore came out and he's like what are you doing to the curves i was like we're waxing them we had those like bars of soap and we'd wax them all up to make them slick (laughs) Trying to make them look better, Pastor. Jeez. Yeah, they're just... God made them to skate. He would get real mad at me because I would skate up on the, the top platform by the door, you know? And and the, the presentation step that everybody would walk up there, I got that looking real bad. Oh, yeah, that was oh, that right. was forbidden. Like, I got ran off of there more times. I eventually stopped going up there because I was scared. Yeah, man. That's why it was better when we transferred up to that school parking lot up the street. And you got that little ramp. You know what? I still have that ramp. That thing was dope, man. Yep. That's what I learned how to use, how to hit ramps with that. All it's right. Amazing. There was no skate parks like in the area that no. time period. No. And then right after I stopped like doing it, like every day, they build a really nice one over at their hecky off their hecky park. Oh, that's right. A yeah. super nice one. But by the time that popped up, you know, the kids were just way better than I could ever hope to be. So I was like, whatever. <laughs> Well, you so I'm know, not going to break an ankle over this. Well, you know what happened? I probably would have quit skateboarding years ago if it wouldn't have been for those parks. And I used to drive to Columbia, Missouri, where there was a great big concrete park with pools and rails and all kinds of stuff. I got I got pictures. I can probably yeah. throw them up on the Facebook page. I know that park. That's a good one. Yeah, and I I want to say that I got another 15 years out of skateboarding because of the parks. Because I was like, I can't quit now. I've got and I actually learned to do some stuff. <laughs> And unfortunately, I'm not quite as fit as I used to be, and with the Parkinson's and all that. But uh, I still love skateboarding. It's I love watching it. I love 
I'll, I, the video yeah. games, always do the video games. I love catching some X games or something on by accident. But, oh, but you're Those. right, dude. They're so much better than we could ever be. And I don't know. I, you've got to not be afraid of death to do some of the stuff they're doing. I don't understand how you practice a, a, a 720 spin. How do you practice that? Yeah, dude. Being made of rubber and teaching yourself to bounce. You know, when they, when they mess up a trick and they just land straight on their knees and slide straight down. Yeah. First time I would try that, I'd, my neck up, it'd be over. I'd die. Right? Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty intense. Okay, now we're going to move on to music. And I want to just know on a scale of 9 to 10, how influential were me and Sam on your music? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what? So I, I thought about this, actually. I kind of thought you guys might ask about, did you? So I'll just say, yeah, straight up. Sam and you got me into metal and punk rock. Sam got me into punk rock by accident because he got an MXPX CD and didn't like it. Oh, he got, got, <laughs> he got rid of it. But then I got a different copy of it and fell in love. And they were my intro to punk rock. Then I discovered like, you know, the stuff of that time, no use for a name, no effects, all that good stuff. But Jeremy, you definitely turned me on to grindcore and death metal before anyone else. Mortification, some of the I never forget some of that early mortification stuff. I still like it. Uh, the cheesiest Christian, yeah, cheesiest Christian death metal is like whatever you want to call it. Some I, that that shit was wild. Crimson Thorn. I was joking. I was joking, but I will accept a compliment. You know, spe- oh, yeah. speaking of MXPX, I saw them with Stavesacre at Mississippi Nights. Remember that club? Dude, hell yeah. Long since that shut down. That was the down. best spot ever. I never got to play Mississippi Nights. You played there a few times, didn't you, Ben? Yeah, a whole bunch of, uh, a little handful of times. And uh, one of my old uh, rock bands in St. Louis is one called Westcott. We had a really successful show there one time. We brought this band down from uh, Iowa or some shit. I forget what they were called, but it was great. We sold that bitch out. That's like that's like one of the most legendary clubs in St. Louis of like the like the like the recent modern era. I mean, like, uh, I know, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's still there, but I know when the, there's this no, club gone. down close to, um, to the, to the stadium called the old rock house. They actually got the board oh, yeah. from Mississippi nights, um, when they shut down the club. So it was kind of this legendary piece of history. I mean, everybody that came through town on a certain like size would play there. I mean, it was like the only room that was like around 500, right. For the longest. Yeah. And it was like a rite of passage. Like it would go like. Once you got your shit together a little bit, you would play Creepy Crawl. And then after Creepy Crawl, you would get like the Galaxy or something in between. But then once you like had a good enough show together and worked with promoter enough, like Justin Mank or someone who would take a chance on your band, then you got to play Mississippi Nights and it just felt like so cool. And standing on that stage, I love the way it felt, the bouncy wood and the monitors and stuff. And not to mention some of the best shows I've ever seen there. Did you ever play a show with uh, Big Blue Monkey? No, we didn't. One of my other bands played with Story of the Year at the pageant, who they turned in to be, but we never did play with Big Blue Monkey. What's some of the bands that were playing there at Mississippi Nights in that round? Do you remember? Uh, I remember, like, I think Loser's Luck was around that time period. Yeah, Loser's Luck was doing it. Calico System was doing always selling out shows there. Big Blue Monkey, as you said. Rushmore uh, Academy. Rushmore Academy, Fifth Element. <laughs> That's fun to talk about that whole, you know, those kind of get tied back to a little subset that we could do an entire show on um, uh, sdlpunk.com, which was like this community 
that you Ben were like a big part of. Um, it was straight up social media, Facebook. We had it first in St. Louis before anybody else had it. Right. Back when Zuckerberg was straight up demoing Friendster in Harvard, we had our version already up and running in St. Louis called STL Punk. That's right. Thanks, thanks Jerome Gainer. I remember That's that some cool of uh, of St. Louis music history. I remember that website. I think couldn't you like look, like hook up with other musicians and stuff if you were looking for people to play? Oh, yeah, with? yeah. I remember that website. It was invaluable because you know you could send out mass messages to all your fans, which would take care of your promotion completely, and word of mouth would spread through high schools like wildfire because of that site. So you could really, really easily like get sell out or get close to selling out shows and then you just clean up on merch and it was just a, so much fun because you felt like you were getting a return so you could put it back into it and make the music better and then try to go get a recording with a different Jay Mac that I know Jason McIntyre yeah. like the goal was trying to get out there at that time and STO Punk like just facilitated that I still have a Westcott CD upstairs oh man I do if you light that on fire you can talk to the devil <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's got the flag on it. It's like blue, red, white, and blue, or something. Is that right? A flag, like patriotic. No, but it's like red, white, and blue colors. It says Westcott. Maybe it's not the flag, but it's red, white, and blue. It's like it's a yeah. I'll have. I I'll, think that yeah. might be the very first one that had that song Falkirk on it, Ben. Oh, he's got the the old school. old old one. That's awesome. Collector's item. Right. I mean, Westcott actually, you know, uh, became kind of a legendary band in its own right in St. Louis. Um, I've when I was uh, you know working at the Apple Store, there was a lot of people there. I would mention that band. They were like, "I love that band. Are they ever going to get together again?" You probably never knew that, did you? <laughs> no, and I always took it with. I, it didn't ever feel like we were a big band to me, so. It's kind of how it works sometimes. Like you don't really know the impact that you're making when it's happening, right? It was sure fun though. It was. That's how I met some of my best friends in the world, you know. That's right. You guys were awesome. Well, let- and then like, you know, the, the, the thing that happened in St. Louis a lot too is like, um, like it's, a, it's an interesting market to play music in as all of us on this call know is it, it seems like it kind of gets recycled every four to five years. And then the bands that were part of one cycle end up like interbreeding with other bands yeah. and then began bands became their own, their own thing. And then it might even happen one more time. And it becomes so meta uh, how that works. Cause you've been in several bands of like, you know, remixing members from playing shows together, right? Interbreeding. Absolutely. <laughs> Some of the bands at those times, like when I was in Westcott, we were like going hard. There was this other band sophomore. Yeah, and then West, lo and good. behold, I ended up in sophomore later on down the road playing bass. I so forgot about that. Bastardizing members, it's great. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome, though. I mean, that's that's still happening. Yeah, I can speak to that. I mean, when it whenever we were auditioning people, you would have people come in, and sometimes they were nobody knew, but a lot of times people were like, "Oh, I've seen that guy. I know that guy." Um, He's got some credentials. It was a it was a small it's a small scene it's a small scene. I did the I did the cover band scene, so Mississippi Nights was more. I think it was closed by the time I was doing my thing, but it was more. I think Mississippi Nights was like original bands. I don't think they had cover bands there. No, they had like you know their local originals. But oh no, I take that back. They would have cover bands there sometimes on the the weekends yeah, think- and stuff when they couldn't have they didn't book whatever. 
One of the coolest shows I saw there, um, I think was in the last few months before it actually closed down. Now they closed down the club and tore it down to build a casino parking lot. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it sucks. But uh, yeah, I saw Sufjan Stevens uh, perform there when he was on um, the the uh, Illinois tour. They're all dressed up like uh, yell leaders and cheerleaders and these crazy instruments on stage and it felt like you were like right there. It was, it was a pretty cool show to be it for that. That was the cool thing about, about Mississippi nights is that you felt, you know, like you were right there with the band. How many people were on stage for that? I think there's probably like eight people on stage, which is a lot for that. Yeah, stage. It's crowded. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was cool because it, it, what the galaxy lacked and especially after galaxy closed down galaxy, unfortunately had that giant pole right in the middle of what you're trying to watch and it didn't mm. really ruin it but going to mississippi nights from that especially like i'm trying to remember like some of the i went to like i saw like the used there one time that's cool like when he was still dating kelly osborne you guys remember that oh yeah <laughs> so they, Kel- yeah yeah someone yelled it in the crowd and he was like <laughs> very plain as day things that happened at st louis shows man well, you know, I went, I went down to Pops. There's, there's another. That's that spot still open. That's over by the strip. Oh, that's by the strip clubs. And I remember there was a Kelly Osbourne poster on the wall at some point. I think it was down there seeing an Ozzy tribute band. This was during the big Osbournes craze. I'm still a huge. And you were like, fan. I gotta have that. I must have that Kelly Osbourne picture. No, I'm not really, not really. <laughs> but I just kind of tried to imagine Kelly Osbourne playing Pops, which Pops is a bigger club than than Mississippi Nights. I. Th- like a thousand people, probably not a thousand, 100, like 500, 700. How many people think it fit in there? I think they do have a over a thousand cap. It's like maybe 1100 or 1200. It just depends you know. on how many bikers are in the area yeah. that night. They'll, yeah. they'll, they'll yeah. Up <laughs> Pops was a, at that time though, at that same time, Pops was another sort of a rite of passage, like club True. that you played because it was in Illinois, but all the bands that you saw there would say, hello, St. Louis. So it still felt like it was St. Louis and, Plus, if that was your thing, you can have two strip clubs within walking yeah, distance absolutely. and off-track betting also with walking distance. Yeah, it was a whole other steel. Yeah, it was totally different than playing like in the loop. It was a whole other scene. I, I played Pops once, once or twice, I think. I, no, I never I got to play Pops. I, w- I would have loved to play Pops because I used to like going to strip clubs back when yeah. I came back. When it I feels came. like you're playing in a strip club. Yeah, <laughs> it sure does. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about your stage show because the one, not your stage show, but your stage presence, and then we'll get into guidebook. <clears throat> you've, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to that part. You've got my, a hyper energetic. Presence. You've got a hyper energetic stage presence. When I saw you at the Baja Rock Club, and then I saw you at some place down South County somewhere. It was like some little hole in the wall place. I can't remember what it was. Somebody told me I looked mm. like Scott Ian from Anthrax, and I, I wasn't sure what to make of that. Um, I could see that a little bit. Yeah, well, I, a better I, version of them. I can't stand that goatee. That's just my personal thing. It's though. weird. <laughs> but on at the stage on the Baja Rock Club, you were doing things with your guitar. You were like yanking the neck off. Do you remember like you would bend your neck? You would bend the oh, guitar yeah. neck. Do you still do that? I, I well, I stopped because I ended up breaking the guitar. Yeah, I bet you did. Right off doing it. Yeah, I was just trying to get that harmonic bend. I didn't have a whammy bar, so if you hit the harmonic and bend the neck, it can do like that. But if you're not careful, you break your headstock. Yeah, you were a whirling dervish, dude. You were all over the place. It was amazing to watch. <laughs> I bet you I sounded like a someone was throwing a handful of quarters at my strings, though. Probably sounded like dog <laughs> shit. 
Well, the Baja Rock Club had horrible sound, so I played there. I must have played there two dozen times, and every time the sound, I, I could never hear my vocals on stage. And people would say, like, I, ha- I started I started having vocal problems, and they were like, well, you're not singing right. And I'm like, no, because I can't hear myself on stage. <laughs> I went to a vocal coach. She was like, well, you need to stop being rah, raspy. I was like, well, I can't hear myself in the monitor. So the Baja is, I mean, it's closed now. It's it's completely abandoned and vacant for years is now. Is it? Which I'm is kind, which is kind of sad. I think the owner had got cancer and died. Um, but uh, yeah, you... I didn't know that. But that guy was not cool. To... Oh, wait, maybe it wasn't him. I'm not going to speak ill of anyone, so never mind. But it was a great stage show. So, so when you when you go on stage, what's your what's your mentality? Do you like psych yourself up before you go on stage, or are you just naturally crazy? I just, I guess, I am a little weird, but. I feel like it's weird. I was just talking to my girlfriend today. I haven't played a live show in, in years, but I was like, I love to, I love the stance. I love the power stance. I love to just stand there with my foot on the monitor and like chug on. Yep. And then you can just get like four whiskeys in you. And then you can just stand there and it just feels, feels strong. I guess I did used to be a little more wilder. Like back in the day, we were so obsessed with like, the image and like wanting and, and you know story of the year was doing their spin kicks and stuff and they were the that band the to like thing. yeah they were the band to like try to follow so we were like a little hair metally at the time so we were like trying to do the zz top coordinated guitar <laughs> movements like a, <laughs> and it, it, it's it's hella cheesy and stuff but people love I guess it for a couple people in the crowd yeah they're looking at it and they're like they're having fun or they're complete idiots either way I remember you uh, like you and matt playing your guitars behind your head like <laughs> yeah we would play behind our head or just like anything you could climb on. Cause it was like, how can you out crazy the other person? Right. But then, you know, Phil Sneed, Moon, Valjean from uh, the point radio show, uh, Rizzuto show and from Greek fire. Like once he started showing up, you can't stop that guy. He's back flipping off of everything, spinning, like climbing the, the highest rafters and flipping off of them. So yeah, I'll, I'll acquiesce to him. He, that, that, that guy's got the stage show unlocked. Yeah. He's he's pretty amazing to watch too. People love that kind of stuff though, right? They it it kind of like brings some participation into it. And I remember like you know when you're seeing a show, you know, speak of like a like a, a club where you feel like you're right on stage. The old Creepy Crawl, that was the one. Like you just kind of surround the stage. It sounded like shit, but there was just something I about love that, that place, man. <laughs> yeah, it just felt like you were all in it together, right? Yeah, there was one time we played this show there, the band Westcott that I was in. We uh paid for do you, do you guys remember don Vito from jackass the, oh yeah uh, uncle he went to we jail paid for that he went to jail he, did he yeah i'm for, not surprised for, for we paid for him to come down and host our show did he go to jail for like molesting women or something yeah yeah <laughs> That's about right. so yeah that leads exactly to so <laughs> he, he hosted the show in between he would inter- introduce the band so he just get getting progressively drunker and drunker until he couldn't talk and everything he'd say he'd just do the freak out so after the show, he's taking pictures with everybody. He'd choke all the guys. But all the girls that took a picture with him, didn't matter what their age, he would just straight grab their Oh, boob. my God. Oh, my. You, oh. And so I was like, well, he probably does this everywhere he goes. So this will yeah. just catch up to him sooner or later. And Guess I'm not saying anything slanderous or untrue. It's all yeah, documented. Well, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think but what, the point I, of that was that was at the Creepy Crawl and it was wild. I love yeah, that creepy that, girl. I wasn't at that show. I bet that was insane. I think what got him in trouble was underage. I think that's what I heard. It was underage stuff. 
Which, I don't doubt it. You don't I believe a, it. You don't ask for an ID before you start groping. I mean, what a what a total what a what a butt wipe. That's all I can say. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. Like that. I guess he felt it was working for him at the time because he was cleaning up. Crazy then too. Yeah. So I I remember though, like, you know, you've been in some other bands. Um, like you you have a lot of stories uh, about being on the road and being in, in bands. But I know that like once you got to the point where you were in the the band Wild Tiger, you guys like had your stage show down really, really tight. I could tell that there was a lot of rehearsal behind that, making sure that it, it felt right. Am I am I correct about that? Yeah, there was a you know a couple of us myself had like drinking problems and stuff, so that kind of got in the way of really tightening up. But when we were sober and doing our thing right, yeah, we spent a lot of time perfecting like the guitar arrangements and uh, vocal arrangements for harmonies and stuff. Yep. Like that was super important to us to have a lot of harmonies. I remember when, when you guys did the show, you opened up for Story of the Year um, for one of their Page Avenue anniversary shows, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you guys, uh, didn't you cover a Metallica song that night? Yeah, well, we just did the one that everybody knew, Fuel, just so that people would sing along. Give me fuel, Killed give it. me fire, give me fuel, give me fire, give me Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun as hell. You know, it was cool just to see everybody know the words, even though they weren't singing our song or screaming the words back at us. And, yeah. You know, you can cut out on the, give me food, give me fire, and then let the crowd be like. <laughs> it's so awesome sometimes when you get a chance to do something like that. Like one of the best shows we ever did uh, in the band Saturn Five Rockets was uh, when we performed as the Flaming Lips um, for this thing called uh, in, in uh, Undercover Weekend where you perform as another band. I and went was to that. That was good. It was a fun night. You had a cape. I did and like confetti cannons and you know, uh, it was it was insane. But it's fun because when people get into it, you know, sometimes they don't know your songs, like you're playing it for them for the first time. So when you're playing a song they do know and they go insane, you kind of get just a little bit of that glory and it's fun to be on stage and do that. Oh thing. yeah. You guys played a bikini kill song that night. I remember I thought it was bad to the bone. That's right. That's right. We did uh, uh it was uh, Rebel Girl. It was punk rock. Yeah, that was fun. That was a fun band to be in too. <laughs> well, I've always admired your stage performance. For me, I was always kind of self-conscious because I got into the game late. And as a, if you're singing and playing the guitar and you're not as talented as everybody else, you have to, you can't move around. You have to, I guess you have to, because you're stuck on the mic, you can't move around, but you managed to, you would run all around the damn place, dude. <laughs> I guess I, I I did. There was a for a while there when I when I was like I gotta have a wireless because I just gotta run around and I gotta flip the guitar and spin it around and catch it. And I reined that in a little bit later on, but that was pretty fun when I was able to just flip the flop around everywhere, hip hopping all over the place. Well, at least you owned it up by like playing well too. Yeah, like running out into the into. You the think show. so? Thank you. I'll take that yeah. because I I thought that I did not play well. That's well, I mean, I everybody has a little sometimes, but like, yeah, you went out there and you were still doing the show. You weren't just like, hey, I'm not in the audience kind of a deal. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, what's up? Shake my hand. Trust me, dude. I've, you been, play now. I've been in bands with one guy in particular who could not play and he had a wireless and he would he would put on his cowboy hat. And when he put on the cowboy hat, I'm like, oh, here we go. It's going to get it's going to get deep. Time. And he would walk. And he would go out in the crowd and stand up on, on a chair. And I guess we would be playing. We'd be playing some corny cover song like, I don't know, like. Jenny, Jenny, you know, eight, six, seven, five, three, <laughs> or whatever. And he, I mean, he would screw up the solo. And I'm like, dude, I, I had to pull him aside and he eventually quit because he got his feelings hurt. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know how to talk. 
I don't know how to tell you this. If you can't play the solo standing on a chair with your cowboy hat, then maybe stay on the stage and worry about playing the solo and not running around out in the crowd. It was hilarious. Yeah, he or practice just, the solo more. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. He, or just hide the cowboy hat. He lasted three shows. He lasted three shows, and then he quit because he got his feelings hurt, which I'm like, whatever. And then I had to take and over. that man went on to be Joe Satrian. Nope. <laughs> nope. And then I had to take over the solos for, for the week, and I'm like, God, let's get, let's get the cowboy hat guy back because I'm sucking. <laughs> Did you try putting on a cowboy hat to see if you would be No, maybe, that, that, maybe that's the missing ingredient. You had it there the whole time. It's always the missing ingredient. Put on a cowboy hat, it's just instant, like, rock star vibes, right? <laughs> Brett uh, Michaels vibes. Brett Michaels. Good. You beat me to it. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about guidebook. <laughs> Set up guidebook, your latest project here, because I want to hear about this. I've heard, uh, I mean, I guess, are we going to drop in a track here, Sam? What are we going to do? Or we just want to give them where they can go get it? I think we should drop in a track. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So, Ben, which you know, track? Now, if you want, Ben, if you you let me know which one you want to hear, we'll we'll play it right here on the on this show. Um, you can play Little Monsters, probably. Little Monsters, okay. I'm gonna pull it up here. So go ahead and set up the song while I, while I pull this up, Ben. Oh, we're gonna actually play it now. Uh, so yeah. guidebook is all my, all my uh, oh boy, uh, I should have prepared something for this. <laughs> no, no. So this is this is this is different for you, right? So I remember like. Um, like this is something like, is it, is it right to say this is a new, uh, venture you've had, um, just kind of taking advantage of this uh, extra time that we have while we're in, you know, lockdown and while this, while the world's kind of different. Is that, is that right? That's how I dove deeper into logic for sure. But this, this eighties style synth retro waves, synth wave stuff has been with me forever. Like the best music, like that you can ever think of from the movies you love when you were a kid, like Fly to the Navigator, the soundtrack for that. Oh, Fly yeah. to the Navigator! Uh, Hell yeah! Any of those, The Last Starfighter, The Wizard, all those super cool sci-fi stuff. Yeah. So that's heavily my influence for that, and uh, it just before I even knew what the genre was or what it was called or anything, like when I would sit alone with Logic and just piddle around years ago, I would make this music that ended up sounding like. As I described, it would play over the credits of an '80s movie yeah. at the end after everybody froze. And then <laughs> right. And so I just started, like I just loved it. And then I found some artists that sounded that way, so I started listening to them, like Carpenter Brute and Perturbator and The Midnight and uh, a whole bunch of just Hawkins. similar sounding, yeah, Hawkins Shredder on top of all that stuff too. Yeah. So I was just like, man. I love harmonized guitars. I love a lot of saturated, thick harmony vocals. And and as Sam said, I, I had all this downtime because of the pandemic where I'm not going out. So I was just like, let me just learn logic and, and start getting in there and, and figure out how to how to make these songs that I want to make without having to pay someone else in a studio. And then Sam was like, well, I'll help you mix them. So yeah, that was just an easy, it was motivation for me to get some shit done. And, and you've been turning it out too. Yeah, I guess I have. I, there's there's a lot of inspiration. I guess the world is flooded with n nostalgia right now. That's what is in oh. all the shows. So and movies and everywhere I turn and from things from like Stranger Things. Oh yeah, I was going to mention uh, that Stranger Things, awesome show, total throwback. So cool. Love and the music. I see that stuff everywhere. Like it's just, like, saturating through or movies like The Void, which is like a Cronenberg uh, tribute full of awesome 
synth music, the guest, also awesome yeah. synth soundtrack. So like that stuff's I, everywhere in it. I was, and I, I was thinking of too. Which one? Drive. Yeah. Drive. Oh, Drive. Minsky on it, and yeah, Drive and introduced the world to Night Call by Kavinsky, and that was just like a another floodgate open. So. I love this stuff and I, I'm one of those people like I just want more of it. I don't care if the scene gets too saturated. I, I love it just more for me to listen to and get inspired by. And it's I just decided the name was Guidebook and that's it. <laughs> well, let's let's go ahead and listen to the song Little Monsters. Right now you have two songs out on the streaming services. Uh, one's called Adrian and the, your second single is called Little Monsters. I know you have a lot more waiting in the wings ready uh, to be released. Uh, we'll talk about that after we get a, get a chance to listen to this one. Um, but I definitely want to hear more about that. I want to hear more about where you got the name Guidebook. Um, but what do you say we listen here to Little Monsters? Sure.
Very impressive, Ben. I'm getting a little striper vibe there with the guitar solo at the end. I'm digging it. That's not an insult. I'm sorry, I... I didn't mean to ooh over you. No, I love that. That's the you don't understand how big of a compliment that is to me. Yeah, that that's <laughs> another band I saw at uh, at uh, Pops was Striper. Uh, this was probably about ten years ago. Dude, they still got it, and they they do the they do the oh harmonizing guitar. Oh, yeah, and it's it's amazing. I would love to see that. I would love to see that. Dude, they, they're amazing. <laughs> Well, okay, so before we let you go, because we're running up on 40 minutes here, I got to, Sam, before before I end the show, do you got anything you want to say? Because I'm going to drop a story on Ben that he has not ever heard me tell about him. I do. Um, I just want to talk real quick, just to, just just real quickly about that song and sure. how, how cool it actually sounds, man. And, and I've kind of, you know, I've been lucky enough to to have a little front row seat as this project has been developing, right? Um, because, you know, I've been... You. Yeah, I've been. I spam uh, you. That's right. <laughs> no, but we've been learning some new techniques together, and and just kind of like you know trying to improve our our, our production skills. But it's been fun to see like this project kind of crystallize uh, over time with some of the first stuff that you're working on, and uh, and just where it's coming. And like you know the the songs you have waiting in the wings, I feel. I mean, that's a great song. The one that you have releasing soon is is even a step up from that. And you just keep, uh, you know, rocking out these these styles uh, songs like. Uh, it's just it's just really kind of elevated to a new level um yeah man i i'm i think people need to make sure that they're following you on spotify and on these services so they know when your your new stuff comes out um because everyone is better than the last thanks Um, well if you love nostalgia and if you feel warm when you think of uh how cool movies were when you were a kid and things like that then please come uh listen to this with me because that's all I'm thinking about when I'm making the music. Well, where can they get it, Ben? Spotify, iTunes. Guidebook? Guidebook is what it's called. Uh, SoundCloud, if you're on there, you might. Sometimes it makes you put two words, guide a book, but it's supposed to be one word. But you, uh, the, da- the downloads are... Name? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. The, I came up with the name because, honestly, I, I like things that are two-syllable words. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, Westcott. And I was thinking, you got it. And uh, I was thinking about sci-fi, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, things like that. And so just guidebook. And I love like uh, 70s and 80s sci-fi novel covers too. So like, I don't know, book, guidebooks, things like that. I love that. And, and are you know, are, can you talk or are you willing to talk a little bit about like where the lyrical direction comes from? Like are these all yeah. some character? Like, so I, I hate on what you do with that. So I hate the, uh, I hate, to be like it's a concept album (laughs) but but they are these first couple songs are are just about like this robot named adrian and written from the mind point of view of like uh uh, the way a machine might calculate with logic versus an emotional response so if you're wondering why the lyrics are so weird it's that that's why by the way that you can download all of them for free on uh, soundcloud if you don't that's awesome. Spotify or anything like that. So yeah, definitely. If you're, if you want to hear more of this stuff, go look up guidebook on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple music and, and stay in the pulse. Cause I know that there's some pretty amazing stuff that's coming out. Yeah. I can't say, I can't say <laughs> enough about how talented the Wade family is in Toto from, from of course your dad and mom, which kind of introduced you to music. And I don't, yeah. I don't know much about your sister, but you two brothers are definitely, it's pretty impressive because 
I come from a family where nobody was musical and I had to kind of forge my <laughs> own way. My dad had a guitar that he never played. I got it out occasionally. Got inspired by a Phil Keggy video of how to play guitar. And that's what that's really the oh, cat cool. really the catalyst for me with guitar playing was that Phil Keggy video where he showed where he showed scales. And then it clicked for me. Oh yeah. But you guys seem that's to be you guys so interesting. Yeah, you guys a seem Phil to be so natural. You guys seem to be so natural with it. And it's very impressive. And I hope people both check out Sam Wade music and then Ben, do you, I mean, do you have a website for your music or just SoundCloud guidebook? Just SoundCloud and YouTube. I, uh, no, I should get on social media. My sister, by the way, is a concert violinist. Oh, no, for real. She plays as well. We're all, we're all guitar players down from the, the mom. Of course, to the you're sister, all to the brother, to the father. You're all brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're all brilliant. We know. Oh, thanks. Well, thanks for rubbing I it in, man. <laughs> No, you just mentioned my sister. I, I don't know what she does. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't want her to get uh, left out because she plays as well. Yeah, she does. What she, an amazing. She absolutely. What an, you're like the Jacksons. You're like the Jackson family. <laughs> that's where I get my stage moves from. Ow! But you can yeah, bone. Just when I get hurt. All right, so I, you, you want me to tell you this story that you probably don't even yeah, remember? Yeah, I want to know this weird story. Okay, this was probably this was probably 1995, 1996. I had my grand marquee, and we went out looking for spots to skate, as we did. Yeah, I remember that car. Yeah, I've, I actually have an 81 Lincoln Continental now. It's amazing. Yeah. So we went out looking for, spot, for spots to skate, and this was over on West Florissant by your parents' house. And you said, I'm hungry. And I was like, what do you want to do? And he goes, you said, let me go into Walgreens or Walmart, and I'm going to get some Swiss rolls. And you go into you don't Gross, remember this man? I used to get yeah, I do because I used to buy boxes of those at a time, dude. Was so you, I don't know how I would eat so many of those. You went into Walmart, got your box of Swiss rolls. I was parked out in the parking lot. You came out back to the car, and I'm no joke, dude. You ate the entire box in like ten minutes, maybe less. And you were like, <laughs> I looked over, and you're like, I don't feel so good. And I'm like, Why not? And you're like, I ate the whole box. I'm like, You did what? And dude, you literally made yourself ill by eating a whole box of Swiss rolls. Do you remember this? I don't, I don't specifically remember this moment. <laughs> you did it so it, many times, it, you can't remember. Messed, yeah, it's so messed up that I was like, just anytime I had a box of Swiss rolls, I was like, I'm gonna eat this whole thing. Gonna <laughs> happen. I just remembered. I remember looking over, and you had this sick look on your face, and you go, "I need to go home. I don't feel good." <laughs> dude, can you imagine, like? So we would eat like all those treats and like we would either drink Gatorade or soda and Mountain Dew skate real yeah, hard yeah, in yeah. The hot, hot sun. Yeah. What were we thinking? How did we survive? It's probably why I got <laughs> Parkinson's now. <laughs> Man, I just think uh, it was the Jinkos that provided ventilation. And then and just I, I yeah, you remember how we would wear like those size fifty eight pants and stuff? Oh yeah. We have to have the belt how to hold did we them up. walk around in those. I don't know what was wrong with us, dude. Whatever I mean, well, we turned out okay. We turned out okay. Uh, I guess I guess some of us did anyway. <laughs> you know, I ended up I ended up going back to because I, I bought a skateboard again and, and I went to, and hit this park with my friend Steve over on a by Jefferson Barracks. They got a pretty nice little concrete park over there and stuff. I ended up going right back to where you started, which is pretty like tight shorter shorts. While yep. I skate, yep. I wear like cut real short cut off jean shorts. Oh God, yeah, go. no, no, I don't wear those anymore. All I wear yeah, is- but I'm saying, isn't it funny how it came back around? Because it just keeps your junk out of the way, and <laughs> you know, got pant legs flopping in the wind. Well, I tell you what, my my uh, 
wardrobe now is you ever seen Ozzy Osbourne when he's not on stage? It's just well, even when he's on stage, it's just track pants, track pants and black t-shirts. <laughs> that's what I wear now. Black, that's a, black track comfort man. Black track track pants and black t-shirts, black hat. See, you're dressed in black, man in black. I love it. Yeah, that's about all I wear: black t-shirts and black sweatpants. And if I go out, which hasn't happened in a year, right? I will. I'll wear jeans, but at work, you know, work is always like business casual. So it's, it's, it's slacks, slacks, man. Trousers. Super. Wing tip. All right, Sam, so you think we got a show? Yeah, I think we got a show, man. <laughs> All right, cool. That was fun. Thank, thanks for dropping by, Ben. We're going to do this. No problem. Thanks for having me. For two tape decks and a mixing board, I'm Jay Mack. And I'm Sam Wade. Saying, stay Stay cosmic. cosmic. Stay cosmic.